0: everyone. Hope you've had a great week. Thanks for tuning into our podcast and hope it encourages you, inspires you as you go about your week. Here's today's message. Uh, thanks, friends. Grab a seat and relax. You know, on a Friday night, just to, just go on, we were with our friends and um, and here we are there um, that's we 're actually that that photo is uh, is in our new backyard out at Whittlesey. and um, we wanted to go up and see the sunset and that 's our house sort of right down the down the bottom there and we 're up there and it was just i mean oh, we had a great time there really good friends have been for decades. Um, Paul and Andrew are both uh, pastors like myself and We've all been, you know, shoulder to shoulder through a, through a lot of life for, for decades, as I say. And by the way, too, they suggested that we name the, the hill, which is quite a hill. They suggested that we name it Mount Shepherd. So we, we're going to put a sign up, I think, Mount Shepherd there. But uh, anyway, we're up the top, and there's just something about like a, in the sunset and we're talking. And we're just reflecting. And I got talking to Kim. She's the one with the glasses beside me. I got talking to Kim there. We, I think we were sort of in twos, weren't we? Talking to people and, and just reflecting on some of what life's dished up and thrown up. You know, because we, we all want to be happy, don't we? Everyone wants to be happy. Um, we, I think we all want to be successful. Make some meaning. Achieve something. Do something. I mean, who didn't want to be happy? Who didn't want to be a success? And see, for me, my journey, you know, this this idea of happiness, because happiness... Depends, doesn't it? I mean, we could yell out all the things here that would make you happy today. And if we yelled them out, I think what we'd pretty quickly find if we dressed them down is that almost none of those things are under our control. And conversely, the things that would make you sad the things that could take your happiness away, almost none of those things would be under your control either. So what it means is that happiness, good as it can be, is fairly elusive, isn't it? It's not guaranteed. Many years ago when I was uh, a sergeant at Richmond Police Station, one day part of your job as a sergeant is to Check. You have, to, you have to go through and you have to check the work that the junior constables and senior constables do. And I was checking a brief of evidence there at the police station. <laughs> and I, I, uh, like, I like this, so I kept some notes of what was in there. This was um, a brief that had been put in by a constable at Richmond um, for an 18-year-old guy who only had a learner's permit, all right? It's 2.50am one morning, he's driving along Swan Street, Richmond at 100 kilometres an hour in a 60 kilometer an hour zone, <laughs> he's by himself in the vehicle, so he has no fully licensed driver, he does not have L plates on the vehicle, he, he's displaying P plates, he's pulled over by the police uh, and it gets worse too, the police smell alcohol on his breath, <laughs> so they do a preliminary breath test which is positive and then they bring him back to the police station for the breath test and interview for the charges now the idea of interviewing when the police interview someone the idea is to is to at least give the person in this case to give him an answer to it might provide him with a defense to his offenses or his crime but at at very at very worst what it will be is it'll be a chance for him to um, like just to explain why he did what he did, like this is important. He wants to, you know to get as light a penalty as possible. So here's some of what was said. What is your occupation? Well, my occupation is I'm quoting. My occupation is McDonald's casual, pretty much full time. But I work full time because the pay is better. Right? What type of intoxicating liquor have you consumed tonight? couple of beers with my cousin. Were they heavies or lights? What do you take me for? Of course they were heavies. Breath test is then conducted. His result is (laughs) 0.122% and the limit for him is 0.0%. Then he's asked, what's your reason for exceeding the prescribed concentration of alcohol? I didn't have any other way of getting there. Did you have an experienced driver seated next to you at the time of your interception? I'll give you three guesses. Is that a yes or a no? It's a no. Why didn't you? Because it was too late to call anyone I knew and I could have made it anyway without any incident. What's your reason for driving on a learner's permit without having an experienced driver sitting beside you? Well, I wanted to catch a movie and I didn't have any other way of getting there. What's your reason for exceeding 60 kilometers per hour in a built-up area? I developed my driving skills with the sons and daughters of racing car drivers. <laughs> What's your reason for displaying feet plates? when not required to do so because I didn't want to get pulled over. <laughs> Besides, I can drive better than half the, and he names a racial group, I can drive better than half the who pay you guys off to get their licences. If this man wasn't already fighting a losing battle, like all of those things that he did, and he's just, he's really only made it a whole lot worse, hasn't he? Failed himself terribly. So, just wanted to ask, are you a success story? Happy? Um, Successful? in the important areas of life. We're, uh, in January, we're doing this each January here. We've been doing it for a few years. Ancient words, ever true. Just over the month of January when so many people are away and we're, you know, we're, we're, it's just that little bit different. And so let's just take some, some random stories out of the Old Testament in our Bible. Ancient stories. Ancient words, ever true and see if we can listen in to get some, get some wisdom out of them. So if we wanted to find one, happiness and success, the age-old searches of the human race, listen in now to some of the most poignant and penetrating words ever written. Listen to this from Psalm 1. Oh, the joys... Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. And at this point, I just want to say, maybe the way that you've heard this before, and the way that, you know, that we've, we've heard it traditionally, not from the New Living Translation, is um, blessed, it'll usually say, blessed is the man just old style language it doesn't mean the male it means the person blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers but they delight in the law of the law meditating on it day and night they're like trees planted along the river bank like a tree by the river bearing fruit each season their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do if you look at it in the old language it starts out with this word blessed so blessed is the person blessed very expressive word this all right interesting that the book of psalms starts with the word blessed. Same as Jesus did, it's in Matthew chapter five, his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, very first word, blessed. Um, The Hebrew word that's here in the Psalms for blessed, it talks about a state of happiness or prosperity that comes about when a superior bestows his favor. So very quickly what you realize is that here, we're talking about true happiness. As true a definition as you could ever get of happiness. That's what this is. But the word doesn't just talk about happiness in the way that we'd commonly understand it. Same word you find it in the, in the Old Testament. In Job chapter 5 verse 17, if you know the story of Job, this man's suffering more than perhaps any person has ever suffered in history. And one of his advisors said to him, behold, blessed, same word, blessed is the one whom God reproves. So don't despise the discipline of the Almighty. In other words, you're blessed, Job, even though you're suffering. So it's kind of like not probably a ha, 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 sort of happiness. Blessed. Now, if we talk of the word blessed, and if it's true happiness, then it's, more grammatically correct than simply to talk at it as meaning happiness, We're, we're talking about true, authentic bona fides happiness. So as human beings, we automatically associate happiness with feeling good, don't we? The elusive sort of happiness that I just spoke about. Whereas maybe, true happiness might not mean just that. Because of the nature of this word and the way that it's written oh the joys you saw that oh the joys so we're really exclaiming this in other words it's not just talking about some simple sort of true happiness not pie in the sky it's saying that true happiness comes in its most abundant form from what this psalm is about to explain the psalmist is actually saying there when he says oh the joys oh hey guys Oh, how truly happy is, and then describe it in the psalm. This is a happiness, friends. Listen to this. It's a happiness that's deep and lasting. It does not depend on outward circumstances. It finds Precious fulfillment in the ordinary details of life. It gives hope even in the darkest of situations. No one can take this happiness away. In all reality, it's something that our world cannot match. The same word, blessed, in the New Testament, the Greek word, makarios. And the Greek gods, small g, the Greek gods were said to be makarios, blessed, happy. You know why? Because they were, and I quote, unaffected by the world of men. So it made them happy. Now, how much would you crave? Because we all want to be happy. How much would you crave a happiness that was as good as that? What I mean, what would you pay? to be guaranteed that sort of happiness in your current circumstances and for the entirety of your time on earth, no matter what happened. The psalmist then goes on and just describes, we'll look at it just for a few minutes, he describes this, this, this person who's blessed, first in, in a negative way and secondly in a positive way really accurate picture. Look at the negative description. This is what the blessed person is not. I, this will be my fault somehow. I don't know why that's so small. What happened there? <laughs> it should be the... Can you go back to the slide before, Nick? Is that all right? That's how big it should be. <laughs> anyway, so if you've got your eyeglasses and you can read... Um, I don't know what's gone wrong there anyway a negative description this is what it's, it's not right he says okay here's the blessed person it's not a person who walks in the council of the wicked okay the, the counsel all right if you walk in the council of the wicked counsel that just means to advise or to consult the word usually was used to mean giving good advice but it could also mean giving the opposite bad advice Best understanding of the word is to see, like the counsel of the wicked, is to see it as any sort of advice or suggestion or influence on how to live, all right? Now, you know, I'm, I'm giving you some of that right now. Any sort of advice or suggestion or influence how to live. The counsel of the wicked. What's the counsel? Who are the wicked? Well, wicked means ungodly or guilty. So putting it, it simply, that, that, that word means someone about which something is wrong. It's a legal term and it implies breaking the rules or the laws, like our friend that we just spoke about. More generally, the word talks about the category of people who have done wrong and they're still living in it. And they're intent on continuing with the wrongdoing. All right, so that's the counsel of the wicked. And the person who's blessed is not one who walks in the counsel of the wicked. To walk, that means to go or to behave. The the, the, the verb, it's a verb, can be used to describe someone's behavior or the way that, that you walk in life. So it's the overall quality and flavor and direction of a person's life. So if you put those terms together, what does it mean to walk in the counsel of the wicked? This is a person, is not the person who's blessed. If someone walks in the counsel of the wicked, here's what it is, he or she pays attention to the thoughts and the standards of those who are around about him or her. And they won't necessarily be authentic Jesus followers. And you know what it's like then when you experience that is that you feel a real need to fit in with them. So we would say things like peer pressure or to keep the status quo or to keep up with the Joneses or to go with the flow. So to be like all those around. Are you walking in the council of the wicked? the, the, the second negative description, this is the person who's blessed, is not someone who stands in the way of sinners. Sinners, the Hebrew word there means an offender or a criminal. The word's particularly talking about someone who, who sins, who does the wrong thing habitually, because we all sin and do the wrong thing. There's a difference between habitually and, and, and things that we do and we recognize, we say sorry for, we repent of. But habitually, to to sin. Now, to stand. Stand in the way of sinners. Stand means to strive after or to serve. So practically speaking, it's talking about your sympathies and your priorities. So we all love to be like certain people, don't we? We become so keen in some situations that we virtually serve the image of the person that we want to be like and that's what this word's talking about I mean if you've ever met and talked with someone famous you've got a feeling of what of what it feels like it's like oh, I just want to be like her or like him to stand in the way of sinners that's that's the, the way means a going, or a way, or a journey, or a road, or a manner, a course, or a way of life. So more often than not, that's talking about the way, it's, it, it's the actions and the behavior of people. So if I'm going to stand in the way of sinners, I'll be actually, you know what, falling in love, enamored by the lifestyles of those around about me to the point where where, where I'll be thinking about that a lot. And that serving may well then come out in my actions. You're captivated, enthralled by other people. Find yourself daydreaming about what it'd be like to to be so-and-so. The third one is that this person does not sit in the seat of mockers. Mockers, um, the new American standard uses the word scoffers. So mockers, scoffers. The word means to scorn or to deride. So it talks about the cynic, the person who makes a mockery of anything that he or she doesn't immediately believe or have proof of. And when you look at this, you realize that This won't always just be people who are totally irreligious, who never come into a church. It's quite possible that you'll meet people like this in the church. People who make fun of eternity. People who make fun of the idea of sin or of heaven or of hell or God himself. And so if if you're really passionate about wanting to follow Jesus, they might even make fun of that. Hey, just, just, just calm down a bit. Don't be so obsessive. So people who sit in the seat of these mockers, they're the mockers, the seat, that's a dwelling place. It's a place of resting for the mocker. So the mocker is comfortable in his cynicism. She's, she's, she's relaxed in her ridicule. And if you're going to sit in the seat of the mocker, it's to, you know what? It's to stop and listen or to get dragged along with the mocker's scoffing. Hey, I'm a Christian and all, but as for John over there, He's taken his Christianity a bit too far. Just too radical. And Any cynics here this morning? God says this, he said, don't, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking, from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. You see, when people are like these people, they go from... They go from bad to worse. Like to start with, they just, they just walk in the counsel of the wicked. So it's, it's wrong, but, but it's practical rather than habitual to start with. But after that, that, that evil in their lives, that wrong, that sin in their lives, it becomes habitual when they stand in the way of sinners. And then, if they continue that, you know what to sit is in this Hebrew position is the place of a teacher, so to sit there, they actually become the teachers and the influencers of others, others who are teetering on the edge, others who are impressionable, others who are influenceable. and you can see how how easily this happens again not just with people who are outside of the church, it can happen inside. Be influenced to behavior, which you can only describe as wrong. So there's the negative description. Look at the positive description. This is what is in verse two. It says, but, but his, it says in the old translation, but his, let's put in there her. But his or her delight is in the law of the Lord. So doesn't stand in the way of sinners sit in the seat of mockers or walk in uh, uh, walk in the counsel of the wicked st- sit stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of mockers but delights in the law of the Lord. Okay, so delight pleasure desire affection pursuit The main meaning is to feel a really strong positive attraction for something it actually like like just to like something very very much what's the happy person's delight in the truly happy person's delight the delight is in the law of the lord law that's instruction doctrine regulation direction statute and the essential meaning of that word when it's in the biblical setting is teaching So it's not so much a set of rules, but the very means by which someone can can reach a spiritual ideal. So the law of the Lord, that's expressed in his word and his teaching of it through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and, and Karen mentioned that earlier like he, he talks to us through his word and then after his word there's a whole lot of other ways he talks to us too Karen explain that for us that's the law of the Lord expressed by God so the question would be do you delight in God's word you attracted to it like do you like it very very much and i know that as soon as we talk about this and trust me i don't say in a condescending or condemning way because i've experienced this myself is that we all know to say well okay right at the moment let's take a show of hands and be honest like who loves the bible who delights in it? Very, very much someone did put their hand up. I'm going, yeah, Sam, you're a legend. <laughs> but imagine if we took a show of hands. There'd be some here, and there'd be probably quite a few here. And you're not a bad person. You're not, you know, we don't, we don't want to throw you out. But if you're honest, you would just say, look, I'm really honest. I don't. And we know it's not, as easy as just saying, well, you don't love the Word of God? Well, start loving it right now. It's not as simple as that. How do we love the Word of God? I am convinced, I'm convinced that as unattractive as my answer might be for you, that to love the Word of God will come about as you discipline yourself to spend lots of time in the Word of God. Feelings follow actions. And when you listen to godly, wise teachers of His Word through a a message, through a um, podcast, books, talking to people, your friends, and you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that Karen spoke about, and you actually daily, you beg God, you plead with God, please give me a hunger for your word. Words like this, you know, in the Psalms, Psalm 119. Turn my heart towards your statutes. And you you cry it out to him. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things preserve my life according to your word and you pray that and you ask that is it easy no but will it work yes Um, so on his law he or she meditates day and night meditates mean to ponder you know what the concept behind this word you got strong stomachs this is of the cow chewing its cud so did you know that cows they take all the grass in and they eat all that grass up and you can just imagine what's going on with that grass while it's eating it can't you and it goes down in the tummy and the tummy is divided into four for the cow and then after a little while it actually regurgitates that grass and it eats it all over again and it keeps on chewing the same grass it enjoys it Time and time again. <laughs> I, I'm not really interested in doing that. But that's the concept of the word meditating is over and over. Day and night is meditating, or she, he or she, meditating day and night. It doesn't just mean, you know, like like light and dark. It means daily. So if we're meditating day and night, it means that we're constantly pondering and rethinking God's word and we're doing it daily now friends you're after true happiness you're after true success if you're after true happiness and true success the first question is do you meditate on God's word and if you say no to that I can guarantee you you won't be a truly happy or a truly blessed or a truly successful person. I know that's weird to say it. I know some of you are sitting there thinking, well, hey, I don't know about anyone else, but like, I'm happy enough, thanks. I'm fine. As we said earlier, that happiness may just be elusive my friend because it depends on things that you cannot control so do you meditate do you study god's word listen in real careful we're on a track in the way that we're working at the moment our our times the signs of our times um when I was young, everyone, everyone would bring, and I've got mine here this morning down there, everyone would bring their Bible, like their physical Bible with them to church. We talked and talked and talked, and, and, and it wasn't abnormal in, in where I, you know, it wasn't like I was, our church was the only place. It was just, it was common. We'd talk and talk and talk about studying the word of God. And yet here we are today, just, just a generation Later, and we don't we don't do much of that. There are not many people who who say, "I've got to not just just read a couple of verses before I jump into bed at night. I've got to study this book. I've got to really, really work out what it means." That's how you get to true happiness meditating day and night. So you might be saying, well, how do you do that? Like, what do you want me to do? Well, first way is, is if you memorize some Bible verses. And then once you've got them committed to memory, you can, then, you, like, you can think about those verses anytime you want it. Like when you're having a shower, sitting on the toilet, you're driving your car, you can think about those verses anytime you want to, so say you 're like me naturally the way that, you know the way that i 'm wired, the way that I am i 'm a proud man, and uh, like i, I 'm not proud to admit that to you, but i 'm proud so if I then think well, like I, know, I gotta, I gotta got somehow yeah, like okay. Well, what's what's some what are some verses that that actually talk about pride? And I can think on those like and so memorize them. I've got these ones right in my mind. God says, "This is the one I esteem. He, Jeff, he who is humble and contrite in spirit, and who trembles at my word." Isaiah sixty-six, verse two. Um, I could also remember James chapter 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I think about the fearful prospect of God actually opposing me. I think about Philippians 2. Three and four, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others as better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. You get some verses for the areas that you're struggling with, you memorize them, and you just keep on thinking about them. Takes hard work, takes discipline. It's incredibly powerful, though. You've got to hear me on this, though. We're not doing this nearly so much these days. We've got to do it. Another suggestion then, you can, you can um, in the morning, you can take a, like a bit of paper and just, like, just a little bit of paper like this and write down on it something that God's actually impressed on you from reading the Bible that morning. And you take it with you. You put it in your pocket for the day. And then during the day, every time you think of it, you just take it out and have a quick read over it. It'll take you 15 seconds. And you use it as a starter to spend some moments in prayer, and then you ask God to make that truth or that verse a reality for you once it, it, years ago again, back in police days, and I remember I was in adelaide for for work and and um, it was just a, like I was going through a really, really hard time personally i 'm over there trying to trying to work on a on a murder investigation and trying to concentrate. And uh, I'm lying there in the hotel one night and I'm really struggling and I get my Bible out and I'm reading and I come across some verses in Psalm 25 and I wrote them down and I kept them in my pocket for the next few days. Look what they said. Turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Straight out of God's word. Hey, a whole lot of ways to go about meditating on scripture. That's just a couple, but it doesn't matter how you do it. So like I often say to people, you know, um, like the, the command is not memorise scripture. The command from God is not write a verse down and carry it around with you during the day. The command is meditate on scripture, on scripture. meditate. So you find whatever ways work to meditate on scripture, That's what he asks us to do. So, and then he gives us this little illustration, just to finish. That's like a tree by the river. Um, He says, the person who's gonna do this, so he doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of mockers. The person doesn't do that, he or she. Instead, instead of that, this person delights in the law of the law, meditating on it day and night. That person who does that, that person's going to be like a tree planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. I, I just love that picture. It's not a wild tree. It's a tree that's planted. In other words, it's been chosen and considered and cultivated and it's been put right beside the river. It's not planted by a stream or river, but by streams of water. So even if one river would dry up or slow down, there'll be others. The rivers of God's goodness and grace and mercy to his children, they're everlasting and they're never failing and they keep renewing you get a picture of a tree that's strong and healthy and beautiful. And the person who loves God's word and acts accordingly is like that tree, strong, healthy, beautiful. So attractive in all the right ways. Maybe not bodily attractive. Maybe not in perfect or even near perfect health. Sammy mentioned Makram, our friend Makram. I sat with Makram just, just um, 10 days ago or so, this man who's very ill with cancer. And I asked him, and Nabila was there too. I said, hey, so Makram, how are you, how are you in your spirits? And like, he's a lovely guy, but Makram sort of looked at me like, that's a stupid question. He said, I'm fine. But he meant it. I'm sure he didn't mean to make me think it was a stupid question. But but, and several times, you know, as I asked him and questioned his his peace and his okayness, and he said these words to me. I noticed he said several of course, of course, of course, like a tree. Body is very, very unwell. But like a tree planted by the water. Maybe when you're the tree planted by the water, you're not the, you're not the success story at work. You're not the general manager. You're not the superstar. But you're attractive and you're strong in character, in maturity, in patience and perseverance. And this tree yields its fruit In season. It doesn't produce bad fruit. It doesn't sit in the seat of mockers and steer other people onto a path that's not so good in the church or out of the church. It doesn't produce fruit that's that's sour or foul tasting. And it 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 bears fruit in the right season. The fruit's good. And you see, the person who loves God's Word learns it, and because of that, from the Word, he or she managed to find patience to get through suffering. She, She exercises faith in a time of testing. The resources, we're not suggesting they're always easy, but they're there. And whose leaf does not wither. The tree lasts. It gets knocked around by the winds that blow, but it's not destroyed. The the leaves don't fade. So there's permanence and there's perseverance and there's endurance and longevity. They're God's qualities. So let me ask you again, if you delight in God's word, look at this. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. Reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. Making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right. Bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear. Giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure lasting forever there have been so many times I've read those words and I'll, and I'll be writing down in my journal saying God I, this morning like I need you to revive my soul I, I ne- I'm simple I need to be made wise um, I, I need joy in my heart I need insight for living they come from God's word Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. Look at this, friends. This is God's words. They are more desirable than gold. Even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey. Even honey that's dripping from the comb. They're a warning to your servant a great reward for those who obey them. And this person who delights in God's word, whatever he or she does prospers. This is the key to it. This is, this is the key, we, you know, like true happiness, true success. What that person does, that's talking about work, labor, toil, making, creating, constructing, to build, to accomplish. And the basic meaning is just what you what you occupy yourself with. It's talking about those things, simple enough. And whatever you occupy yourself with prospers. What's that means? Because you might be thinking, oh, hey, cha-ching, this is cash. That's not what the word means. Um, The Hebrew word, Just generally expresses the idea of a successful venture as contrasted with a failed venture. So, if you apply that to life, what it means is actually hitting the target, actually achieving your destiny, actually fulfilling. Your purpose. And the source of such success is God. And it's sometimes even used to describe victory, that word. So we're not talking about success in worldly terms. We, we, you know, we measure that by power and fame and money and notoriety. But in the upside-down order of God's kingdom, I mean, he measures success... By, by integrity and purity and morality and Christlikeness, and and in a man, a, a, a godly man, a beautiful man like MacRae, in in incredible, genuine peace. Not, not trying to pretend. Just he really is. And that sort of success actually. Is exemplified in Jesus, in Jesus Christ himself. He lived and died on this earth for every human being. And then towards the very end of that time, he's cruelly put to death on a criminal's cross so that he could take the blame and the punishment for you and for me. Not just for the things that you did that were wrong, but just for you, you know, just the natural bent that you've got that I've got that's wrong. So, for all the things that you ever did or said or thought or felt that were wrong, and all the things that were did or said or felt or thought that were wrong that affected you, as even as a victim, and Jesus was publicly humiliated and mocked and jeered at and he endured physical agony and he did it to give you the opportunity to be his child forever. There's true success, true happiness. Let's pray together. Just want to give you a moment just to well it's quiet just be thinking through and we ask you now holy spirit we just ask you just to as we're sitting here and and pondering what we've heard and and what you've said to us not just through what i said but Karen's beautiful story as well and then and then her reminder that you speak to us through the songs of worship that we sing so in whatever way you've been speaking to us today, Holy Spirit, please, I, we just ask you now, just for just for clarity, as we sit here and think, it'll be quiet. We just want to think on that. Jesus, Jesus. And friends, we're just. Um, We're going to sing together just to finish our time together while we're singing. And then after we finish as well. We'd love to be able to pray with you. We've got our prayer team. And uh, we've just got a couple pastors on deck. The others are not here. They're on holidays. But... um, we'd love to be able to pray with you so for prayer you can come to the front you'll see that I'll be down there we'll have um, one of our I'm thinking maybe we'll have Velma that's down the front there as well one of our elders and um, and then up towards the back there our members of our prayer team Ian will be there Jenny will be there Pastor Sammy will be there you'll be able to find them up there easily They'll have a little tag hanging around their neck. You can see it. We'd love to pray with you. And it doesn't have to be one of us either. You might grab someone who you, who you know loves Jesus, get them to pray with you. Maybe just sit, kneel, be by yourself and pray. Whatever you want. It's important just to be able to pray. And, and let's pray for each other. And this is one of the big purposes of us being together here, this whole idea that God thought up. We're here today not just to sing songs and listen to a message and have a cup of tea or coffee and go home, but we're actually here to, to serve each other. And so this is our community where we meet together and, and we're, we're taught and we're energized and equipped and inspired by by God together and there's something very powerful as we do that with all of us together and from there as God does his work in us then we actually walk out the doors of this place we go home we go into our separate worlds wherever they are and and with the help of the Holy Spirit we influence them with the love of Jesus that's what it's all about and then as we pray for each other too if you're here with us today and, and you haven't met Jesus yet. There hasn't been a time or a, a season or a journey in your life yet where you've actually said, Jesus, I want you to be, as Karen said, the leader of my life. Well, then the door's wide open for you this morning, my friend. You can meet Jesus this morning. And if that's the case, what I encourage you to do is just to seek out one of the people who are there to pray with you and let them know you'd love to pray together and we would pray with you for that. Let's do that. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you. I love you guys. Thanks for listening in. We're going to sing together. Come get some prayer front or back and thank you so much for listening in. God bless you.